Hi everybody and welcome to episode 16 of the GA and Gym podcast. My name is Oshin Quinn and I'm your host for this here. We're now at episode 16. Um, this is our, I think our second of the new year and um, today we've kind of brought a different um, a different perspective into the, the GA and Gym podcast. Um, one of the things I w- I've kind of wanted to do more is get um, coaches in from different sports and di- different disciplines to see what in the GEA we can learn from, we can implement in their training. And um, today I think we've got probably one of the best we could have got. Um, I was lucky enough to be uh, lectured up at university by David Drake. David Drake is an athletic performance coach and a strength conditioning coach at Ulster Rugby. Um, and David came in and gave us a lecture on speed and agility. And that seems to be an area that he is really interested in and his, his knowledge is is incredible on it, which you'll you'll hear in this podcast. Um, David was nice enough to come down and do the podcast down in the gym. We had a great conversation about coaching, and I think for coaches out there, this is going to be a brilliant podcast. Um, we're also hoping to get a few workouts in over the next few while and hopefully get some videos out with some some content that you just can use in your own training. Um, David has a wealth of knowledge and experience. He's been working with players at Ulster Rugby, so he's working right at the top level. Um, and the knowledge the guy has is, is incredible. And um, you, you will get to see that in this podcast here. Um, a couple of other important notes. David is now doing seminars and workshops. Um, and he's got one coming up on February the 22nd in... Uh, black box in belfast that's february the 22nd in black box in belfast david was also nice enough to give you a discount code for any listeners so if you are interested in going to that uh, workshop it's um going to be in black box 22nd of february that's the third time I'm saying it now um and the coupon code to get uh, i think it's 15 percent off is quinn strength so if you type Quinn Strength into David's website, um, which I will link on this here, and it'll be linked in David's profile, um, you can get 15% off. So I don't think I'm going to go over that again. I'll write it in the show notes if you're not too sure. But um, this is a brilliant podcast. I love this conversation from one aspiring strength coach to one that's at the top. This is this is one that I loved, and I really appreciate David coming down and doing it. So... Without further ado, we've got David Drake, Ulster Rugby Strength and Conditioning Coach, on the podcast. David, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Thank you very much, Oshin. So, to anyone that's maybe not um, heard of you before or doesn't know you, maybe give us a wee intro to yourself. Absolutely. Well, my name's David Drake and I'm an athletic performance coach. i um, been coaching for about 12, 13 years, um, taking taking it pretty seriously, the, the huh. my coaching journey and um, typically my day-to-day kind of work is with Ulster Rugby uh, right now and do some other stuff, um, some studying on the side, uh, just finishing up PhD um, and kind of do some work around education, uh, work with master's students and that kind of thing, just keep myself really busy. Yeah, um, I didn't know you were actually, so are you finishing a PhD? Yeah, just just now, it's kind of in my last year, part-time. Right, um, and what's it? Uh What's it, it on? It's a, it's a sports science PhD looking at kind of testing, profiling of athletes, uh-huh. uh, particularly around the, the quality of rate of force development, which is really those explosive muscle yeah. qualities that I was really interested in and ties into my day-to-day work of coaching. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting about the speed stuff in a minute, but before we kind of get on that, like what's your, your coaching journey been? Because I know you're working with, with Ulster now and you're doing work with the different schools and stuff, but how did you actually get there in the first place? Yeah. Well, when I was playing, I used to, I used to 
I used to get the bus home and just be really inquisitive about how I could make myself better. And I always had this kind of lens that I was looking through, which was about making my athletic performance better. Uh-huh. You know, that that's the kind of, that was my motivation. So I knew quite early that I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and I've done a lot of coaching of just sport and different sports. Yeah. Um, soccer, rugby, um, multi-sport. Um, but I got into coaching. I, I applied for an internship at um, the Sports Institute in Northern Ireland. Got in coaching multi-sport, elite level mm-hmm. kind of academy athletes, setting up some regional centres for those guys. And that was my sh- that was my kind of kickstart. Um, and, and did that as a kind of complementary pursuit with my studying, you know, yeah. alongside and just uh, as I said uh, at the outset, just kept really busy with that. So that that got me going, and I started coaching in in some schools, some rugby clubs. Um, some football clubs and just moving from from Sinai kind of got a role there and then Mm -hmm. from that moved into Ulster Rugby. And has it, like when did you you sort of decide that you wanted to get in the the strength conditioning side of it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was probably about 12 years ago. It Mm -hmm. kind of all just coincided, you know, with studying. I started studying sports science, um, still quite open-minded to what what I might do, yeah. and, I, and I remain open-minded uh-huh. to what I might do in yeah. the future. But um, I, I guess it was the formality of the profession. I just thought strength and conditioning, you know, maybe 14 or 15 years ago, just looked at the outset at something that I wanted to kind of pursue, and it was something that was going to grow. And like, hey, it's changed a, a whole pile over kind of 14 or 15 years as well, you know. Yeah, it's funny because obviously now strength and conditioning is such a big part of nearly every sport, but I don't think. Um, I'm sure back then it wouldn't have been a big thing, even probably within rugby and stuff. It still probably would have been not as mainstream as it is now. But it, it, it's interesting that you were able to kind of see that it was it was going to grow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just think it takes lots of different forms. You know, ev- even even right now, you know, as a I'm a, I'm a now a, an athletic performance coach. You know, yeah. essentially a strength and conditioning coach. But you know, my my role is very specific in certain areas. You know, uh-huh. I, I am not skilled in certain areas of strength and conditioning, if you like. Yeah. So. While strength conditioning is quite a general, you know, um, coaching role, you know, there are specialisms within that. And I think that's the exciting thing. And that's how things grow over time, you know. So what I was good at coaching, perhaps maybe 12 or 13 years ago, has has really changed. And, and I've broadened my, my skill set, hopefully, into, into some other areas, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that's a big thing about coaching, though, as well, is knowing, like, having self-awareness to know that you're you're good at certain areas and other areas you need to improve on like isn't it yeah well, well i think it's pretty easy because whenever i started out i wasn't very good at coaching you know very much you uh-huh. know so it's like i've got a lot of things that i need to improve on so yeah uh, you know uh, that awareness is is absolutely as you say Oshin, the, ki- the key to to improvement so i needed to take yeah. a pretty good look at myself and work out what i needed to improve in and to be honest Let's take some time to do that because we can't we can't change your total coaching skill set overnight. It, it's going to take years and years yeah. of practice. And the same, at, if you're a carpenter or a mechanic, it's going to take years and years of practice. And that's what coaching is for me. Yeah. That's, that's been my journey. I think as well, like people think that coaching is just how uh, he's just a sort of good coach. You know, any other job, you know, I can learn that there. But I think for, for when it comes to coaching, people think that it's just something innate that you have. But really, like any job or any skill, you can improve a lot on it. And I think once you get into it, you can see that where you start and where you finish is just completely different or, or where you're at in a year's time. Like, Yeah, I think that's the fun of it. You know, yeah. if something's completely fixed, you know, it's going to get pretty boring. So the fun is the change. It's the yeah. changes we can make to ourselves. But more importantly... <coughs> To those people that we serve, which is clients, athletes, teams, and other coaches. Yeah.
like I know I've only been in it a fraction of time you have but from where I started to where I am now like how your mind changes and does 360s with different things you think oh this is a way to do this here but it changes so much since you started maybe you know in that time what's been the biggest things that either you've changed your mind on or things that you thought you'd never change your mind on if yeah. there's anything that comes to mind yeah well look I'm I'm on a constant roundabout um, to be quite honest and, and that's um, people that know me or work with me, athletes that I've worked with, coaches that I've worked with, will know that I am a learner. Yeah. So um, th- those that know me, as I say, will will see change in me, and and, and those things are really around probably mindset mm-hmm. um, and openness, and and more so in how we engage and how we work with athletes. Um, it's the tone, it's the character, it's the, it's the, it's the how we coach bit that yeah. uh, I think really makes a difference. We're, we're all trying to get better, every team, uh-huh. every club, every athlete is all trying to get better. So we all start on the same level. Most of us know what we need to get better at. So really th- what, how we make some difference is in how we deliver a program or yeah. how we create an environment or how we create connection with an athlete. Yeah. I think that's where the magic really is, and, and and I say that not from a position of I know lots about that, mm-hmm. but more so that that's what my pursuit is, you know. Yeah, I suppose the thing is like you can have you can have the best program in the world, but if you don't have it well communicated, or your players put on it, or an environment where the players can grow in it, it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. Well, it's lost, isn't it? It's yeah. just like being taken a walk and you know going off the path and getting lost. You know, yeah. it might be the best the best possible walking route, but you've you've got lost. Yeah. And for me, it's it's not even how well you can coach it or how good an environment you can create as a group of mm-hmm. coaches or as a personal coach yourself. But it's how the athletes receive it. It's how the clients receive it. What do they learn from you? That's yeah. your measure, not how good am I, how good is David Drake at coaching, that doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It's how do the athletes improve, or how do they value your input. That's what we really got to measure ourselves on, you know. So yeah. for me, it's about the process and focusing on that. So what's the steps, like, if you're if you're trying to do that there when you're working with teams, what, like, is, is there steps in your head or is there principles you follow to try and do that? I think there, there are, you know. There, there, there are a number of things that I would kind of consider as... Um, very formative and how I would go about approaching it and that's really fir- firstly I just trying to get to know yeah. what's going on in an environment what's going on with that team what do they need and, mm-hmm. and really my job is to serve them so I think it's been really open to kind of listen and yeah. to learn when, when you're working with somebody you know take a client walks through the door right now you know I think my starting point is ask them yeah you know that that's the starting point where we then go with trying to improve them I think that can be very agile and fluid as we go. And yeah. that's where, we, you know, good general skills. If we think about something just like speed and agility, we've got these principles that we're trying to teach. You know, they're very generalizable across different sports. But how that's going to look within a session, that can be very different. And that's where that kind of bit when we were talking at the start around kind of just coaching experience is super important. You know, it takes time to learn those how athletes react to certain things, um, yeah. how to set up a session, how to f- how to create flow, mm-hmm. how to drive motivation and intent. You know, th- we haven't even talked about the what of the content yet. Yeah. You know, but they're all really important considerations. You know. Yeah, and I suppose it's just it's time and it's practice and it's experience and you learn how to do that there. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think we're we're all 
just need to be open to that. You know, that there are many components of coaching that we can improve. Yeah. It's not just the what we know. Uh, and, and that's what I've tried to do primarily through studying, um, mm-hmm. studying outside of, of strength and conditioning. It, it's just it's just coaching. It doesn't really matter what your job job yeah. is. There's probably a coaching element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could be a supervisor working, in, uh, you know, in retail and, you're, and you'll be coaching the, the assistant, you know, staff that are they're working yeah. for you so coaching is quite a universal um competency mm-hmm. and um you know I, j- I just think it's something we really need to focus on is how to, how to be effective in coaching yeah like i know there's within the past sort of couple of years you see a lot of people are focusing more on the coaching side of things but probably up until now it, it isn't focused on and like i see it within within gaelic anyway um like a good example is like someone will just write a program and it's just handed out to the team. It's like, right, there you go. But there's no coaching, there's no delivery, there's no, there's nothing else. It's I think sometimes people think all you need is the uh, the steps, as in like, oh, this is how you get stronger, do this program, blah, blah, blah. But it's, there's a lot more to that, isn't there? Absolutely. It goes a lot deeper. Absolutely, but let, let's not <coughs> down, downplay the importance of knowing what you're coaching, yeah. understanding the... the 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 technical component of coaching competency, uh-huh. but that's that's probably a third of it, you know. And then the next component of it is really getting the athletes to buy in. That's mm-hmm. teaching connection to what we're trying to do. And then the last part of it is probably how you deliver, yeah. either yourself personally or in a team of coaches, or in a in a full network of coaches in a big organisation, you know. So for me, working in somewhere like Ulster Rugby. Uh, just now is is a wonderful opportunity yeah. to work as part of a collaborative team mm-hmm. of coaches, and we're probably talking about physiotherapy, strength and conditioning, performance analysis, yeah. the sports specific coaches themselves. That's just our program is is the collaboration of all of that together, you know. So um, that that's the kind yeah. of fun part about what I do, really. I, I suppose what's brilliant as well is that whenever you're in that environment because you're around so many people like that and like-minded people, your coaching will probably improve. And because everybody's watching everybody, you're always given the best you can possibly give as well, which I think is a big thing whenever you're around those like-minded people and you're in that network, you can only improve as well, like, can't yeah. you? Look, there, there are lots of tremendous coaches uh, that I'm fortunate <coughs> to work with at Ulster Rugby right now. It's, 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 a, it's a great environment for me to learn personally yeah. and for me to grow and for us all to grow together and and that's probably the point that you know the challenge and I'm kind of working through in my head is how you work well together as a group mm-hmm. of coaches and f- from for us to kind of view the program as something that we're all part of yeah. and, and not having separate components of programs that we're either happy or dishappy with you know so I don't see the the gym as the strength and conditioning program you know I, I see the gym as an opportunity to yeah. grow the players to stretch the players mm-hmm. and that everybody has their part to play in that um, and and there are a number of things that we got to do uh, you know it, it's easy to sit here you know on a podcast and talk about uh-huh. it um, but it, it, it's hard work on the ground but it's rewarding work and yeah, it's effective in terms of the environment we create mm-hmm. and how the athlete receives that back to that point you know it's not about what we do as coaches it's about how the athlete responds to what we do yeah Th- there's a difference yeah I, I think as well kind of going back on the point about you like the kind of review in that that environment that you're in I think that's one thing that probably coaches a lot of people wouldn't be open to is like having 
having people watching your sessions and and be willing to be reviewed but it's it's only going to lead you to getting better like and i thought it was interesting so david but a context david um done a lecture during uh, our masters a couple of weeks ago wasn't it yeah and um was videoing and uh sound recording it for his own kind of um your own learning i suppose and own review but i thought that was interesting because you know so many times coaches will won't want other coaches to watch and won't they stay away but it's obviously an important thing or important thing that yeah. you you see to, to yeah. improve as well Ab- absolutely look I, I think the the number one factor in me learning is me being open to learning and yeah. and so ha- so let's let's now talk about how do i learn well i learn from doing mm-hmm. the same as everybody else um but more importantly i learn from being self-reflective or reflecting from my peers so I can look at myself, that's the video, it's the audio, it's mm-hmm. it's reviewing the session in my own head, taking those steps, and then it's asking others for input. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 <coughs> the absolute strength of a group is the collective spirit of that, which is much, much greater. Anytime I collaborate, whether it be research, whether it be coaching, whether it be taking a session, that, that outcome is much, much better. Yeah. I'm much, much happier with outcome of that than I am when I work independently. And again, it's a challenge. You know, uh, it's easy, Oshin, for us to sit here and talk about yeah. it, but it is a challenge. Collaboration is a challenge, but it is the right challenge. It mm-hmm. leads to something greater. And that's for me when I'm talking about how I learn and how I grow as a coach. It's about being open to my own personal and peer reflection yeah. uh, and just being outward looking, you know, at, at all times. Um, sometimes just taking a step back taking a big picture view on it really helps for me yeah um, it's it's really easy to get day-to-day kind of in kind of a little bit stuck you know a little bit stuck in the mud of just delivery 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 but um and let's be completely clear it's um, super important that we are delivering 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 that's keeping busy that's getting your you know your hands dirty with coaching but if we're not taking that step back i don't think we're probably growing at the rate that we possibly could, and, and what I mean by stepping back is that is that review process yeah. um, that I, that I just kind of described. Yeah. So with regards to the work you do at Ulster, you're in the strength edition uh, department there, but I know these are all very open and working. Like, what is a what does a day to day look like for you at Ulster? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> well, a day to day is like super busy. Um, you know, we start pretty early and, and, and get organized. Mm-hmm. Um, we get organized together as a group of staff um, in advance of of the player yeah. coming in. And then when the players come in, you know, it, it's a pr- it's a pretty busy day. There's there's not a lot of time for for air, but it's it's one that you leave um, feeling tired but energized yeah. mentally that we've actually achieved something. It's a it's a growing space. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a it's a challenging environment but it's 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 one that's really fast yeah. paced and good. Um every day's a little different, you know, but everything works back like any sport off competition, off your game. Yes. If we're playing on a Friday or Saturday, everyone everything works back off that. Mm-hmm. We do our hard work at the start of the week and we sharpen everything up to- towards the end of the week. Yeah. Um and, and that works, you know, how does a how does the athletic performance program work on a day to day or a week to week basis? That depends on the rugby. Yeah. Um it depends what we're trying to do on the field and everything gets tailored off that. You know, my job is to support the rugby program as yeah. an athletic performance coach um and run a program that integrates uh, I- into that and supports that. Yeah. And so well, usually the lads come in in the morning and then they'll do some sort of work in the gym and then go onto the pitch. Yeah. 
um, and then you're depending on the time of the year or the time of the week your sessions just tailored towards that there then yeah absolutely so um, if, if we just take through one one kind of main day as an example players will come in and uh, when they arrive they'll do some screening mm-hmm. um, some kind of check-in process and that's integrated between physiotherapy medicine strength conditioning um, staff and then from there we'll do some movement health work which is more around um, injury prevention if you could use that kind of global yeah. term for what we're trying to achieve and that priming the body for movement that day and um, for taking on and conquering yeah. what we're going to what we're going to do uh, players will be fed on site so everybody's eating together uh, and then we're down into some work that day so mm-hmm. um, on, on a main training day it might start with some review of, of, of games or, or players taking some personal responsibility to review that yeah and um, we'll then have some some gym orientated work which really is just an athletic development program which involves rugby integration. So we could have our main training day, we might we might start with a, a lower body power primer uh-huh. into some power based training um, for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, which will be coupled up with some skill work. And then we might finish into like a strength block, um, right. which uh, we've got our, some of our main exercises going on in there for strength development. And then we might finish on some robustness based work, yeah. which again is back into that kind of uh, reducing these kind of key areas that, that tend to get uh, exposed in rugby, shoulders, mm-hmm. hips, hamstrings, calves, yeah. and similar type areas to, to most sports, but we're focused in on those at the end of the session. Um, then players might break for some meetings, focus in on, on the rugby uh, priorities for that day, uh, and then get onto, onto the field for some um, pretty robust, intense yeah. type training. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, we'll typically review kind of the quality, <laughs> the quality of everything that's taken place that day. Um, and yeah, and so uh, again, constant know, review and everything. Constant review ahead, you know, ahead for the for yeah. for, n- for the next day. Um, and see that um, you said about coupling the power work up with the skill work. Is yeah. that like as in rugby skill work? You also do coupled uh, up with uh, absolutely. So absolutely. what would that look like? Yeah. So as I said. Um, just at the kind of at the start of the podcast, we we view our gym as an opportunity just to develop athletic uh-huh. qualities and skill qualities. So we have a dedicated skills coach right. who works in that space alongside the rugby program and just kind of knits everything together, brings the athletic performance into into the rugby yeah. and the rugby into, into the athletic performance, if you like, and, and that's just one one big space of, of developmental yeah. kind of work. Um, let's say for a, a gym session, just to give you a sense of that, um, we might be doing um, a, a small block of power-based work. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's just say there's two or three exercises going on in that, mm-hmm. and that might last for 10 minutes. Th- those players may then break out as a group and do 10 minutes of skill-based work, mm-hmm. and that might be something that we're focusing on for that week's game. Yeah. That might be something that's just a long-term developmental area, and then they might come back into you know, lower-body strength work, upper-body strength work, but that it's that kind of interleaved program um, that doesn't isolate everything, that just combines everything together, yeah. you know. I use the body as a whole rather than divide it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then a big part of your work is kind of that speed side of it, would you say? Or Absolutely. And before we kind of get into the, the the principles and the steps there, how did you kind of, like, is that something recently you focused a lot in on or has that always been a big focus here? Is that speed and acceleration? Yeah, I, I think the the area as a whole speed agility power development uh, you know plyometric kind of orientated training 
for me, those have always been key areas, um, key areas for development, key opportunities mm-hmm. um, for, for athletes to develop. And it's probably taken me some time to really work out how to best do that. Um, as an athlete myself, I was always working in that area, but yeah. didn't fully understand probably what I was trying to achieve. Um, as a young coach, I was delivering in that area, but probably not as competent as I would like to have been at that point yeah. in time and just sought out some deliberate kind of um, education in that space and, and uh, you know, looking hard into kind of acceleration, speed, um, agility for team sports. Um, you know, I, I didn't find a lot. I didn't find yeah. a lot that kind of... Um, really move my knowledge on now don't get me wrong there's good work being done yeah uh, it, it's just not as readily available as let's say for example strength training yeah. which is kind of uh, very popularized used across different sports yeah. like I, I think the area of speed agility power is is probably underutilized in team sports um yeah you know, I'm just sure as a generalization, and, and that's yeah. not that's not being specific at, at, at anything in particular, but just that's my personal experience. You know, so let's go back to the question: Was I competent at coaching in these areas when I started coaching? Absolutely not. Yeah, it took me some time to really move my skill set on, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still trying to grow in that area. Um, how to be effective at coaching speed in team sport athletes, for example. That looks very different for me than sprint-based athletes. Agility yeah. in team sports athletes, that's almost a unique quality in itself and probably one that is more related to game performance than any other quality. Um, I think the importance of, the, of these things um, perhaps could be, could be shown just a little brighter. Yeah, I think that's the thing. There's obviously so much information for track and field when it comes to sprinting, but... Team-based stuff, there is there's very very little. There's obviously more now, but yeah, I'm sure even whenever you were going through your journey, there yeah. was very very little that could be related yeah. to rugby or team sport. Ab- absolutely, and uh, you know my view on speed for team sports it isn't that kind of track model. Yeah, that, that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about sprinting in team sports, I'm talking about game speed. I'm talking about high speed efforts. Um, I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking about events that happen on the field that demand the quality of speed. Mm-hmm. Now, l- let's look at what those might be in any sport. Counter-attack, counter events, ch- high-speed change of direction, yeah. um, fundamental, beating up another player, mm-hmm. you know, when we really narrow it down. And what does that look like? You know, that, that comes down to really efficient change of direction mechanics. Mm-hmm. So for me... Um, you know, game speed is probably th- is probably the term that I identify with, yeah. um, and, and probably explore how to really how to really improve these areas. And and we when we think about it, what we're trying to do is make people more efficient at moving around the field. That yeah. that's probably uh-huh. the the kind of fundamental yeah. area we're trying to improve. <coughs> and then when when we, so that's relevant to everybody in every position. Mm. And then we can probably add some icing to that cake and talk about highly effective movement performance that makes a difference. It's that beating a man. Yeah. You know, it's that change direction that creates mm-hmm. space. It's that defense of a counter attack for the other team, i.e. counter defense or something like that that really yeah. you know, closes down that. So there are micro moments of milliseconds of time, but multipli- multiplied up 
are probably the difference between yeah. making a tackle or or yeah. scoring or, or creating or yeah or, or perhaps mm. or winning or losing you know but yeah but as I say, back to that kind of efficiency of movement, you know, if we can make you move more efficiently, it costs you less energy. So that, that same journey you take yes. in the car has just cost you less <coughs> petrol. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's how I kind of look at it or yeah. how, how I begin to break it down. So then how do we go about moving better? What's the steps or is there principles there to yeah. do that? Okay, well, I, I think that's... I'm comfortable with this one. How do we go about moving better? I think we need to be really deliberate Mm -hmm. with probably two things. One, how we coach. So we need to be deliberate with what we're trying to achieve. We need to understand what we're trying to change. And that takes some time. And then the second thing is trying to drive that intent and the consistency of this work. So bringing David Drake in to coach one session is not going to make a massive difference to your yes. group. It's going to drive some knowledge. It's going to bring some intent. It's going to be fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But really, we need to be consistent with this yeah. with this type of work. Moving better, moving hi- in a highly efficient manner mm-hmm. is a long-term pursuit. Yeah. Um, and it's that consistency, I think, that brings change. Um, longitudinal change, real change, change that lasts beyond one session. So for me, that that measure of learning is whether that player is now automatic in how they move. Yes. So they've moved from a, from a gear system to an automated car, uh-huh. you know, and they're moving more efficiently. And that's the test. That's the measure for me. Yeah, I suppose that's a big thing because I know people will, you know, you can, you can probably go on YouTube, you can go anywhere and see the best drills in the world and all the best information. But it's really have to constantly be doing it like don't you if you're not absolutely and doing it in the right way with the right intent as you're talking yeah. about I, and i think in the right context of the sport yeah. Yeah. you know all sports have nuances uh-huh. but these principles are quite generalizable but we have to have the view of context so we're, we're n- our job is not to make people sprint in straight lines necessarily yes. it, it, it's it, it's that non-linear movement that probably is the key um, mm. and then every 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 game there'll be one or two players that have that sp- the field opens up for them and they and they need to take that space and that's the difference between whether they do or not their speed into that and 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 for me acceleration and sprinting are really important qualities and and i think f- even more so than their specificity to game performance as as modes of training yeah they're highly potent Okay, so they take a lot of energy. They're they're very explosive type training drills. Um, they they take a lot of recovery from, as in when we do some explosive based training. You know, mm. it, it you it takes a day or two to recover from that. Yeah. Um, so as modes of training, we can do them in big groups. We um, they're they're not complicated mm-hmm. to coach necessarily, although there's nuance within that. But I mean. You know, we can scale this up to your teams. We can yeah. we can we can work <coughs> in these things on a regular basis, and they require very little equipment. So, w- what am I talking about? I'm talking about working on acceleration, working yeah. on speed, working on agility, working on plyometrics. You know, um, sprints. Even though, like, I see there's a lot of research in terms of like they call it like a sprint vaccine for injury prevention. A very important thing to do as well, which is probably counter to all a lot of people think no don't don't be doing anything like big heavy sprints or anything like that because it'll yeah. cause injury but yeah. 
in fact done in the right way with enough with the right dosage can actually be yeah. effective for preventing injuries. Yeah. yeah, well, well, that just keeps keeps on the point of consistency of yeah. exposure. I think that's the important point to be made here when we're training any quality. Doesn't matter what the quality is. Let's not talk about speed right now. Let's talk about any quality. We want to be consistent with it yeah. for it to move forward. Okay, now let's get back to speed. Clearly, it's been shown that when we have regular exposure to high-speed efforts, mm -hmm. we are more prepared for those high-speed efforts when they come. Yeah. Now, that doesn't sound too complicated, but when you think about it, there's just perfect logic. You know, if, if we want to be good at skill, we want to practice skill. Yeah. We want to be good at tackling, mm. we got to practice tackling. Uh, we want to be ready for these high high speed efforts within games. We got to practice that, yeah. and that's for me what robustness really is. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about robustness under that lens of, you know, not causing injury or or, or being being resilient to injury. Yes. You know when these things happen now. Whilst that's been shown really clearly now with all of the all of the research coming out over probably the last two or three mm -hmm. years with regards to speed. My hunch is that the same thing happens with acceleration and the same thing happens with agility. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whilst the evidence isn't there for that, yes. equally as important. Let's think about somebody getting injured when they're changing direction. That happens pretty regularly. Now, this is not this change of direction vaccine that anybody's talking about. Yes. Um, but it, it, it's something that I think is super important that we, we consider moving efficiently in non-linear planes of movement so changing direction efficiently probably has a knock-on effect on your risk of injury yeah probably i'm saying this is not a definitive but um it, it again it, pl it plays to the common sense theme here you know if we need to be able to change direction fast in our sport why aren't we working on that yeah. on a consistent fashion mm -hmm. in a coach-led fashion yeah that really helps that athlete perform their job in the game yeah, I think that makes that makes sense. But uh, unfortunately, I think, I think I know I know within a lot of within GA anyway, it's probably I think people are getting more knowledgeable about that side of things. But again, it, it's not practice probably because there's just a lack of knowledge around it. But um, it makes total sense. You know, whenever you're getting injured in one of those sprints or in that change direction, it's probably more than likely your body's not used to it. It doesn't know what's happening, and yeah. you move inefficiently because of that, and that's when it happens. But if you've constantly, yeah constantly done it yeah and 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 this isn't a criticism of yeah. of coaching or, or 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 of coaching knowledge this is a challenge you know I, I was that coach that was taking sessions and i didn't fully understand what i was trying to get out of that process mm -hmm. and i think this kind of you know embarking on this model of learning mm -hmm. uh, of developing ourselves as coaches is really important because of the knock-on effect it has with these groups of players, with these athletes we're working with. So when we're talking about the potential for change of direction in sprinting to reduce the risk of injury, you know, we got to go and learn something in that yeah. space. So like seek out experts in the field, mm -hmm. read, write, learn, talk, discuss, um, chat to people that know something in that space, look at the athletes yourselves, um, just just explore it is what I'm kind of getting yeah. at, you know. I think that's the first step. It's back to me trying to improve myself as a coach. You know, video yourself and watch it. Yeah. You know, if I'm trying to learn in the agility space, I'm going to talk to people who know something about that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's very much something that's helped me, uh, experts in the field, you know, from across the world and, and just chatting to them, hanging out with them and really trying to learn and, and just whatever that means for you and your, and your coaching environment, you know. Um, 
I'm certainly reachable. Uh, there's lots of good people yeah. doing this this work in this space. Um, and, and it's just it's just really important for us to kind of consider. And the great thing is now, probably very different to whenever you started. There is so much information out there, and there's people yeah. having conversations like this and a hundred other podcasts and then videos. Yeah. So there there is so much information yeah. out there. It's just you know, one thing I find whenever you whenever you start to look into the speed thing, speed side of things, you go down this rabbit hole and you realize you know absolutely nothing about yeah. it. Like you think yeah. you have an idea and then you go yeah. in and there's so much there. But it's yeah. it's amazing too whenever you see that. Yeah, I I think we just need to be open minded to that. Yeah. you know, n- none of us have <laughs> the answers. You know, I I certain I certainly don't. And 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 the rabbit holes exist in every field in every mm-hmm. sport. Um. It's the pursuit of actually going there that helps you learn, uh, and and that's something that I just I've had had loads of reward from, you know, and just kind of spending time engrossed in an area, yeah, um, or bringing people in, collaborating with people that that know something in that mm-hmm. space to really help me learn. And it's back to that point of of the power of the group, you know, yep. if if we're pursuing these things together, talking about them together, and I th- I think the key thing for us when we're, when we're learning and when we're thinking about these things, let's talk about speed and agility. Is for th- for the reader or for the listener to decide what works for them. Yes. Um. Th- there <laughs> is no magic bullet. It just takes the principles and consistency and context for it to really work. Um. So you be the judge. You know. Yeah. Y- you decide whether it works for y- for your group, for that sport at any point in time. You know. Don't let anybody else decide that. Mm-hmm. That's your journey. Um. So I- I'm really open to that. You know. Any any content that I put out people being really really critical of that whenever they use it take it away yeah. have a go come back to me tell me if it works for you or doesn't work for you and why not because it's that why that, that we really learn yeah. yeah i know this is like a very uh general que- question and it, it, i know it depends a lot on the context but if i'm a player and i'm looking to go down to the pitch today yeah what's a couple of things and like i have minimal equipment with me yeah What's a couple of things I can do to improve that acceleration or that sprint? Yeah. Or, yeah. or drills or, or yeah. what would you recommend? Okay, so look, <coughs> acceleration for me is a powerful activity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so acceleration you could kind of you could kind of consider it more like jumping. Yeah. Sprinting is more of a skillful activity, and it's more like bouncing on a trampoline up and down. Yeah. Okay, so acceleration is more about pushing, and so what we want to think about is the intent at which we push. So with every single step, Oshin, when you go down to the pitch today, I want you to push as far as you can when you're accelerating. Yeah. When we're sprinting, let's think about rhythm and fluency. One question you could ask yourself whenever you whenever you hit that top speed is, could you hold it? And yeah. it's that rhythm that you want to work on. Okay, it's that fluency. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the skill of sprinting. So those are two really simple things, just as a just to help with understanding and thought. Whilst they're not drills. They're, they're, they're key considerations. Now, here, here's the thing. There are a million different drills that we yeah. could do. It's why mm. you're doing them. Do you understand them? Mm-hmm. And is the coaching effective within them? So let's think about accelerating. To improve your acceleration, it's probably worth doing some maximal acceleration type work. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is here, the intent in which we do the drills is super important. Yeah. Not just the drill themselves. Okay. We can break it down in, in, in coached based sessions where we're working on specific drills to improve something. But fundamentally, if we're gonna change direction fast, you need to practice change direction yeah. fast. When we're gonna accelerate, we need to push as hard as we can. When we're gonna sprint, we need to be running reasonably quick. Yeah. 
for us to get some benefits to that. Um, but like anything, you know, if you're going to practice your, you know, your kicking or your or your pass or or your tackling or your, let's say you're going to practice some of the work you do in the gym, mm-hmm. th- you know, these are all skills. Acceleration is a skill, and it's yeah. kind of different to sprinting. You know, change of direction. There, there are probably four or five different kind of key components of change direction, and each of them are probably important. You know, each of them are skills. So, I guess what I'm saying, take it, take this away. These, these components are skills and need practice. So let's practice regularly. Yeah. Let's expose ourselves to them regularly to get the benefits from them. Yeah, I think one of the things whenever you you're taking a lecture, the practical side of it. Um, was every time that you were describing the acceleration drill, you were big on pushing that you have to have the intent as in like you have to be driving yourself into the ground and propelling yourself as far forward as possible. But yeah. I think oftentimes, and say for example, if you were doing like a, a bound, you maybe sometimes you don't think about that, but whenever you're doing those drills, whether it be that bound or that broad jump, or whatever it is, you you have to be doing it with the max intent possible. Yeah. Like, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. Like, speed and agility <coughs> as, a, as a kind of modes of training are the greatest muscular, tendon, and neural load that you can experience as an athlete. Yeah. You know, so it's the greatest demand. Running fast is harder mm-hmm. than running slow to paint a simple picture. So the faster you're moving, the faster you're changing direction, the greater the load involved mm-hmm. in that, and therefore the greater the demand. So yeah. these whole areas um, require intent to develop them. Yeah. Um, we're not going to develop these qualities working sub-maximally um, in the same way that when we are working maximally, that takes some recovery. And I'm not talking about within a session, but more a day-to-day, kind of week-to-week basis. So typically for... For anybody wanting to improve their speed or agility today, you know, I, I would be saying work on it a couple of times a week mm-hmm. and be consistent with it. Um, we could we could break down an acceleration day and a sprint day, or we could do an acceleration and an agility day, agility mm-hmm. day, and then a sprint day. Um, sometimes we break agility down into two components within within Ulster right mm-hmm. now. Th- this is this is perhaps a little insight into that. We'll consider agility from two perspectives: attack and defense. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the ball, <coughs> or we're working in possession of the ball, we're talking about attacking agility, uh-huh. which is more around cutting, evasion, and movement into space. When we're talking about defensive actions, we're probably talking more so around deceleration, yeah. tracking an opponent, and defending in that kind of tackle space, or, or, or trying, to, trying to close somebody down, if that kind of summarizes yeah. across different sports. So th- th- what, what I'm saying is, Let's work consistently. If you if you're out there and on the field, you know yeah. it's a couple of times a week. It's taking the time to build up to doing some intentful work, and we got it's that it's that sort of intent or that drive that really yeah. helps us learn how to move at higher speeds. Yeah, I think I think it's important. I think it's good that you say that because maybe a lot of times we'll get bogged down and you know what's the best drill or or what's the best exercise, but sometimes it's you know how well are you actually doing yeah. it and what's your intent yeah. like so yeah I, i'm sure the takeaway take kind of is like whatever drill you decide to do make sure you do it yeah. with the same intent that you'll yeah. be doing it in the game yeah, or absolutely. in the session absolutely and, it, and it's not a it's not a war mm. against drills yeah. drills are a wonderful way of priming the brain mm-hmm. for that higher level movement you know for that more complex movement so i i'll build a session from priming movements 
mm-hmm. you know, essentially warm, warming that movement up, warming the brain up for that movement, then I'll build the intent, just like climbing a set of stairs. You know, I've got halfway up the set of stairs right now and we're building the intent of that drill. Yeah. I might be doing that through some partner work. I might be doing it some, use some, using the bands. Mm-hmm. I might bring in the ball. And then I'm going to take that final couple of steps really up to kind of sports-specific work, the context. What does this movement mean for your sport? That might be evading a player, driving into the space either side of that player. Okay, now we're adding context to that. There might be a ball. There might be a certain scenario on the field that we're using. Uh, and, and that's how I'll typically try to build a session out right from, from the bottom step yeah. to the top step. Every single session, it needs context. It needs intent. Yeah, if you check those two boxes, you're... You're going the right direction, anyway. Absolutely. Look, uh, if I'm if I'm going to work on something, I need to know what it. W- yeah. you know, as a player, I'm talking about right now. So my mm-hmm. if, my if I'm walking out onto the field, I n- I need to know there's a why behind this. Yeah, I'm not just doing for the sake. That of anchors me into the rationale. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't need to explain to the, to the players the the science behind what we're trying to work on. They just need the context. Yeah. They need the context, and with that, over time, because we are consistent about what we're working on, we gain trust. Yeah. We We'll build that buy-in to what we're working on, and with that, you get increased motivation. Yeah. So people wanting to do this work, uh-huh. not coaches wanting players to do this work, and that's that's the difference. Yeah. That for me, that's back to the high of the program. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what drills I know. It's it's how we're delivering that, and I've just given you a little insight through that kind of um, that series of, of yeah. steps there um, to to kind of show that within a session. Yeah, I think that's definitely. Um, I think that's important. Just just reiterate and that do it with the right intent. If you do that there, no matter what drill you do, you probably well, that's it, you're, isn't it? you're in a better know. place than where yeah. you were beforehand. Yeah, if we just if we put our minds to anything, you know, yeah. that's that's kind of it's about focus of uh, focus of your energy mm-hmm. really, or or deliberateness of your work, isn't it? Yeah, um, in anything we do. So no, absolutely. You see, if. If I'm a coach and I'm working with uh, my team and we have 20 or 30 players in front of me um, and we are working on just say max accelerations, yeah. 10 meter, 20 meters, if I'm looking and I can see, okay, this half, their their mechanics are, are poor, th- this half is good, do you, do you go, do you know what, I'm not going to do these max accelerations because half of the group is not moving efficiently or do you just say that's the way that they move and yeah. do you just continue with it or yeah. you know what, what would be your steps yeah. there or okay. advice there that's that's <coughs> really really nice example uh, and, and a nice challenge for me to have so what i'm going to do is these if these this group of players is healthy mm-hmm. and they're performing within their sport well they are max accelerating already yeah okay so i, I don't have a concern there it's about how i add value as a coach so mm-hmm. what i'm going to do in session one is i'm going to get them to do some work and i'm going to stand back and i'm going to learn from them so there's two things I'm going to do. I'm going to ask them some questions mm-hmm. and I'm going to watch their movement with the intent with my coaching eye as they're showing through their movement. So their intentful movement is the same as my intentful coaching. Yeah. And I'm going to learn from that session what people need to work towards. And I'm going to try and help that. Not in a direct way, but a more invisible way. So I'm going yeah. se- to set up some ways for them to try and get better. You know, some appropriate drills. Now... We've probably got two or three different types of drills around acceleration that we might work on, but mm-hmm. the principles are universal. Yeah. So mm. when we're talking about working with maybe 30 or 40 people all at once, it's how I manage that session that allows me the opportunity to coach people 
that makes the difference for me. Yeah. So I want to I want to keep my sessions super simple, really enjoyable, high energy, people doing lots of work, mm-hmm. but in a way that I can actually coach. So I can't have 40 people working all at once. I want to break that that session up into small groups or themes of work that allow me the opportunity to coach. The other thing that I'm going to do within this session is I'm going to video that mm-hmm. and I'm going to reflect on how those players have moved and how they've moved in response to me as a coach. Yeah. So if I'm taking your team today, Oshin, I want to video it and then I'm going to take the opportunity to feedback after that session, either to the other coaches, to one or two players, but that's where we probably make some, some real yeah. change or... or some opportunity to make change over time. As I say, we're, we're not going to fix everything up in one yeah. session. You know, it'd be naive to, to, to even consider that type mm-hmm. of thing. We, we want to ensure that one, people enjoy the work that they're doing. They enjoy the session. Yeah. And two, that we give them some understanding or teach them a little bit about the why. I think with that, we're anchoring into your brain knowledge that you can take forward as an athlete. Yeah. And it's back to that. It's back to that point around, let the athlete tell us what they know let them show us what they know mm-hmm. in their movement. Let's question them to really consider. What their sort of questions would you be asking them? You know, when you're saying there, yeah. What would you be sort of asking typically? Yeah. Or um, okay, so when I'm watching their movement, I'm getting a, I'm getting an insight to their brain and what they think. Mm-hmm. So I'm directing my questions based on how they're moving. Um, quite often, if I if I'm cueing something or I'm exploring some new type of drill, mm-hmm. I might ask them how that feels for them. Yeah, and then I might add some some coaching to that, and then I'm and then what I'm going to do is follow up. So I'm going to say, Oshin, I want you to drive a little bit further with every step than you did in the last set. Then once you take that rep, you're going to walk all the way back to me, and then I'm going to ask you, did that help you? Mm-hmm. Okay, and when I add that cognitive load of of actually coaching them, that has the potential for two things, making them better or making them worse. (laughs) And that's for me when I got to stand back and really have a look at that. Because not all coaching has a positive effect all the time. And and, and that's where that kind of follow-up, that use of video, that me being self-reflective is really important. Um, I can say the same thing to two different players and they'll take it two different ways. That opportunity to actually follow up. For me to question you, I'm checking if you're understanding what I'm saying. Yeah, as, as probably a key as a key thing. Yeah, I think the important is the is the question afterwards after you've given the first bit of advice of yeah. did that help, which probably not a lot of people yeah. will do either. But yeah, because um, I, I think that's you know not everything is so black and white, and that this will make a player do sprint faster or perform better. You know, because yeah. everybody does take things differently. And I know even within th- within our team, if a coach says something to me, I might take it bad. But I know if he says it to somebody else, yeah. they would maybe be motivated motivated by it. You know, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's important. Um, so I, I, th- I guess kind of what you're saying is, you would allow the you would let those accelerations happen, but then you would maybe try and sort of pit in drills without maybe people realizing that you're trying to work on specific things. And then you're constantly questioning to say, did this help you? Did it not help you? Absolutely. And that's, and how you, that's how you drive there's it there's, there's no magic trick coming, you know. Yeah. We're, we're going to explore a drill <coughs> that promotes a movement. Let's say we're going to add a band to a resisted acceleration mm-hmm. to try and teach them how to drive against that resistance. And then we're going to take that band away and check that that's had a positive effect. You know, that's scalable with 40 players all, mm-hmm. all, all within, you know, let's say four groups of 10 working. It yeah. gives me an opportunity to stand back and coach uh, and what I might do is just pick out, hey, Oshin, 
you know, that was a, that was a great that was a great set right there, and this is what you did really well. And and me just coaching that one player within that group of ten affects the other nine yes. within that group. So it's that it's that kind of positive kind of ripple effect of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the key thing is that I set up the session in a way that's simple, that the players understand it, and that gives me an opportunity to have an impact, to ha- to have those comments, those cues, those questions. Uh, and what that does is then allows me to coach a full group because with without that, then what I'm seeing is 40 guys moving at one time or girls moving at one time, mm-hmm. and that's pretty difficult to intervene. Yeah. Now, just to give you an insight into my, my world of coaching right now at Ulster Rugby, we, we coach in a collaborative way. So we'll have four coaches in a particular speed or agility session as a minimum coaching in the region of 40 players. So yes. I'll never be isolated within a gym environment. We'll have a minimum of four or five mm-hmm. coaches across senior and academy programs. We'll have at least one rugby coach, if not two to three. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll have a physio or two or three on a given day, yeah. depending on the flow of the day. So really what we're talking about here is a team of coaches. Mm-hmm. And it's, at, you know, within that environment, it's it's all of our responsibility to, c- to make sure we connect with the all of the components of the program to make sure every, everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. And that's a great challenge to have as a team of coaches. So when you're in your local club or your local team, let's see if we can we can connect other coaches into what we're doing to have that power of uh, the effect. So yeah. every single player within that session gets something to take away, to mm-hmm. take forward, or, or, ha- or has that positive impact from that session so sprinkle your coaching magic across that session with all of your coaches if you can i know that's a challenge for everybody yeah. but it, it's something worth exploring scaling up the coaching impact that we can have yeah. you know so we, we're not having coaches with hands in pockets and um, watching another coach coach you know um, just just something to, t- to perhaps yeah. think about for, for people you know i think that it's definitely an interesting thing because i know probably within a lot of within a lot of teams that that will happen where one coach will take the the responsibility of it but I suppose that's if you're looking to be the best team possible you have to do things that you don't normally do and that requires yeah. people to do things like that yeah. but um, it's definitely a challenge yeah well l- let me paint this picture I'm a coach and I'm taking a gym session with <coughs> let's say 25 players and I go over to coach player a in one corner of the gym mm-hmm that means there's 24 other players not getting coached at that particular point in time. Yeah. Now you you scale that two minutes of time, let's say you've been really efficient over that session, two minutes of time coaching that one player, okay? Now yeah. you go and coach another player, that's another two minutes. So there's another 23 players yeah. that still haven't been coached. So we really need to think about how we scale our coaching impact and we do that by being collaborative in how we coach. So yeah. it's bringing coaches together to coach a program. There can still be a lead coach for that session. Mm. Let's say it's a warm up on the pitch. There might be a lead coach, but we want to kind of satellite out our coaching into different parts of the session, you know, or different yeah. parts of the field or in different groups within a session. Yeah. Okay. I know um, up at Derry, so I've been working with the, the minors, the yeah. under-17s, and there's a great group of coaches there that have been involved and have watched the the gym programs over the past number of years so having a good idea of how the people should move so it's great where like i can go and tell everybody the session and maybe we can say all right we're we're really focusing on this here today 
and they know what the moving should look like so I can move down talking to him in the bottom corner and one of the other coaches and making sure it's yeah. going good here and yeah. it, it makes the session flow so much awesome. better and you're not having to like run from here to here you know it just yeah. it, it all works so yeah. nice whenever you have yeah. that that sounds that sounds really good I like it what, what I like about that is if I if I'm that player in that session what I'm getting is not just the session but I'm getting quality yeah you know I'm getting your quality time rather than an Aussie that's running around yeah. you know like like a bee trapped in a jar, which we all can be as coaches at times. So you know that you know that that's that quality of impact that you're going to have. Like it just sounds yeah. so good. That it's, it's a real privilege for 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 us all to be involved in an environment like that. Yeah. So I'm sure the players are feeling that as well when I they're when so, they're like receiving that. I think so, and I think it, it it's good too whenever the actual football coaches understand what we're doing and and, and why we're doing it. And you know, like up there, we've there's great buy-in from them, and yeah. that it's not like I. It's it's got it under yeah. the pitch here. You know they're they're fully not take as much time as you need. Let's yeah. do it, and that that I just think it's a a too good environment to be in. But yeah. every club, every player can take a wee piece of that there and probably Absolutely. take it into their own environment. Yeah. Here here's what I think about that. So if you've got your 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 football coaches connected with the Y, what you've got is is a strength and conditioning program for the club. Mm -hmm as opposed to a strength and conditioning program that runs separate to the club. Yeah. So your program actually is aligned to the values of your of your club mm -hmm. and, and, and the coaches within that club and not siloed out. And I think that's really important. I, I don't think it's a real program until you until yeah. you really consider those things. You know, what we have is, you know, David Drake coming in to run a, a strength conditioning session. No, it's not it's not David Drake's strength and conditioning session. Yeah. It's a strength and conditioning session for that club. Yeah. So that's what's important. It's mm -hmm. what does the what does the club want? You know, what does that team want? What does the environment need? What do the players need? So those are all, you know, things we've maybe talked about right at the start, but just to reiterate how important I think those things are. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Going from the pitch into the gym, um, if you're looking at, you know, I'm looking to get more powerful, I'm looking to get faster, can I do it in the gym? Absolutely. And what Absolutely. are, what's the steps or what's the principles to do that? Yeah, I, I think the gym is an opportunity to, again, consider the movements that we're trying to improve on the field and then break those down mm -hmm. so we can be strengthening those specific areas or we can be working on the efficiency of those movements. So for me, simple things like plyometrics, mm -hmm. like um, early acceleration type work, so three, four steps only, and the use of bands, boxes, explosive kind of work, step ups. Uh, we, d we do lots of different yeah. lots of different varieties. I think, that I think the important thing is to consider here, what are you trying to change in the field mm -hmm. and then have a component of that layered into your gym-based program. Like th the gym is a space for developing athletic movement. So that will maybe start with us and from a mobility perspective, then priming in the power-based work and then in the strength-based work for us within our, our typical uh, structure. But I just view it as an opportunity to be consistent with the movements we're trying to change. So for us, those really fundamentally, we could just, we could just summarize them as being jumping, mm -hmm. cutting, and sprinting yeah you know and sprinting really mm -hmm. in team sports we're talking about acceleration yeah. type principles um so it's those layers of movements that we're trying to be consistent with mm -hmm. in the gym every time we walk in there yeah um, every time so we, we, we're not going to improve this efficiency in athletic movement unless we're consistent with it um, and we can't be consistent with it if we only do one type of work in the yeah. gym environment 
So the gym for me is just another space, you know, to improve. It's another piece of paper to do your painting upon, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So f- for for me, it's about thinking about what this team is trying to achieve. Again, aligning maybe the values of the team to to mm-hmm. that. You know, we might be we might be training discipline, and everything we're going to do today is yeah. with real control. Uh-huh. You know, we we might be on a power phase where everything we do today is with real intent. You know, on a speed phase when everything's more coordinated, more skillful, and we might be tying in, for example, in a speed phase with with, with some of the rugby guys, we, we might be tying in some key skills and executing those yes. types of movements in a really fast, unloaded type environment. So, it, you know, it, it again, what I'm painting here is this broad picture of working in these different modes yeah. that are super important for field sports performance mm-hmm. in the gym environment. I, I hope that... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, just whenever you're talking there, singing you, you're chatting about like sprinting and acceleration being a skill. Uh, we're in here in the gym now, so we have ten meters of of the grass here. You know, in, in each of my gym sessions, should I be trying to incorporate some sort of acceleration or, or sprinting drill, or yeah. sh- could it be as simple as the end of the warm up? We're doing some. Yeah. 8 meter 10 meter accelerations absolutely know. well if if your gym space allows for that that that, that that's awesome and uh, if you're not doing it on the field which i'm advocating that we should be uh-huh. uh, then we we should be kind of touching yeah. on some of that or or having that as a key component within your gym program as well so let's take the gym space right here it's 10 meters long i'm sitting on the on, on the on, on the grass turf right now i would be perhaps be using the resistance gear that we've got for uh-huh. the strengthening component i'd be using the walls to teach positions yeah and i'd be using the t- the, the, the grass turf area to be working on that acceleration even yes. if that's just as simple as the first two or three steps in an acceleration mm-hmm. it might be the the cutting action and, and a change of direction component but all of these all of these um, aspects of athletic movement can be done in a two or three meter space yeah. at the edge of a rack so um, let's not use that um, that kind of restriction as uh, an opportunity to make an excuse yeah. you know it doesn't matter what equipment we have but you know if we understand what we're trying to change uh, in terms of jumping uh-huh. changing direction and accelerating then i think we have the opportunity to put it into any program anywhere at any time whether yeah. we're traveling getting off a bus uh, and, and taking 15 minutes in the car park you know yeah. it might be on uh, you know at, at the end of a training day the start of a training day you know, for, for, for me, I think there's there's always an opportunity to, to get in this work that we think is important. So the question really that I have is, do you think this work is important enough? Because yeah. that, that's, that's for us to decide. You know, choose what we think is important, prioritize that, and make it part of the program. Yeah, I think that's definitely... Um, it's interesting. That it's something like I've been trying to integrate into the sessions with the ones that come down here. Is like, how can I, how can I integrate the acceleration or, yeah. the, or the mechanics, you know, and... You're always learning and trying to figure out different ways, but uh, I'm sure even like as you said, as simple as doing maybe a few plyometrics, yeah. doing your wall drills, or or even just working on the first one or two strides yeah. is done enough and consistently and with the right intent can probably lead to a lot of good results. Absolutely, absolutely. With regards to the bench or the bench, with regards to the gym, yeah. do you have any benchmarks that like you would aim for that you say this is optimal for um, being the best shape? Physically yeah, or yeah, I think there's there's um, some simple simple things I can share on, on this. It's what are we trying to change, and let's measure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we look at the full athletic profile 
of a player. So um, we're, we're not just looking at one component and we're trying to balance all of those things up and decide what we then want to change and whether that change is worthwhile to yeah. pursue. So um, we're, we're looking at all the different components. Let, let's just talk about a few of them. Acceleration ability, jumping ability, change of direction ability, strength, and then we've got different components of strength. And then you've got fitness, and then you've got all of the rugby components mm-hmm. um, or all of the skill components within your sport. So f- for us, it's about collaborating as a group to really decide what this, what this athlete needs, what this client needs, what it, whatever the case may be. Then we're going to put a program in place that allows for that player to, deli- to you know to really target those areas. Yeah. Um, some of the, s- the standards that w- that we would perhaps look at um, would be based across the entire um, population that we have in, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, so we know kind of what uh, an international player might be able to output, yeah. um, and, and and therefore we're using those as our guiding light towards what we're what mm-hmm. we're trying to. Um, get everybody towards uh, but there's no perfect athlete yeah. and it's probably more so about understanding what makes them tick what makes them good and as much strengthening those areas of weakness we probably want to strengthen the strengths make them superpowers as well yeah. um, but le- let's let's be honest you know athletic qualities aren't that complicated you know the yeah. the, the, the key the key ones for me are <coughs> moving fast moving efficiently and repeating that movement yeah. so in, in summarizing those it's good movement done fast with good fitness mm-hmm. you know th- th- that's it in, in, in any sport so um, the capacity to do that work is just as important as the ability to do it once and and for team sports and court sports and all these racket sports you know all of these competitions and games have an element of fatigue within them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think the movement efficiency and that robustness component comes in. Being able to repeat movements is super important. Yeah. And and that comes into then how we practice some of those. And when we come, you know, when we come to kind of talk about our speed and agility program, you know, I talked a little bit about attacking and defensive agility. Um we're talking about acceleration. We can we can throw one net around those and talk about the repeat ability of those as well, mm-hmm. and that probably forms an amal- an element of your conditioning program for me. Yeah, um, you know, and, and repeating these high intensity efforts. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I suppose that's a big thing too. Is it's great being able to perform those movements well, but if you don't have the uh, conditioning to do it in the last 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. It's not pointless, but it's, you know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't maximize as yeah. much as it can do. So Absolutely. obviously there's two sides of the coin all the time. Yeah. And m- I think more, even more so than within a game, like a, a, a you know, a hard period of a game <coughs> has a fatiguing element that might be in the last, the last period. It might be actually early in the game where it's a real intense period yeah. and, you know, being able to re- repeat efficient movement and recover from efficient movement, you know, uh, recover from high intensity efforts, and then and then being able to do that on you know two days after the game and the ne- the game the next week and three months later and, and at the end of that year and then the end of five years, you know, th- it, it just all becomes um, one pursuit of being really effective as an athlete, you yeah. know, and that really requires some deliberate work, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on what 
is the priority. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. You know, let's 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 get good at the stuff we need to get good at, uh, and that's probably my um, my mindset on it. You know, yeah. um, there there are lots of things we could be working on. There are lots of things that are fun, <laughs> that are exciting, that are enjoyable, yeah. but. We probably we probably um, lose some of the importance when we when we try all these different different methods and new technologies yeah. and new pieces of equipment. You know, um, uh, my mindset is probably to keep it simple. Yeah, uh, and and keep repeating the simple stuff and make it really great. Turn it into a superpower. Yeah, and have everybody enjoy it and have a good time Absolutely. doing it. Absolutely. Y- you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be, uh, what should players be working on now if they're coming into the preseason? That I think. Specifically, specifically, we didn't go on there, but I, I think you don't have to because it's, yeah. you know, do the important things, do the things yeah. that you want to prioritize, and do yeah. them consistently. Yeah. Well, I guess what what the 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 context of that question mm. though is, if we're just starting out at the, at the start of a season, then we don't have that base of work under our belts. Yeah. So, when I'm talking about working on acceleration, agility, and sprinting, let's do that in small amounts to begin with, mm-hmm. and let's build that up. So what we're doing is we're building up our tolerance, yeah. you know, adding a protective layer to it. So, you know, we'll, we'll do that through building the number of sets and reps that we'll do. We'll do short to long in terms of distance. So start with our acceleration in shorter distances mm-hmm. and then build that distance up. You know, typical sprint distances in team sports isn't actually that far. Yeah, uh, It's the ability to get there. It's the ability to hold that speed. It's the ability to repeat that speed. Um it's the ability to do it in the context of the game. So when we're thinking about that, you know, typically we're working over uh, in acceleration terms, five to 15, 20 meters. And yeah. then in sprinting terms, kind of 25, 30, 40 meter sprint kind of work or, or efforts. And we'll take some time to get to that. You know, that won't be in week one of preseason yeah. and, and we'll, we'll get there in a safe and appropriate way. And I think that's important for anybody that just that's getting stuck in today yeah. or next week. Uh, out on the training pitch, you know, uh, consider what you've done. The more you've done, the more ready you are to do some yeah. more. If you haven't been doing too much sprinting or agility work, let's not do too much of it too soon. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Could be a few hamstrings going week yeah. one. That's, that's on you, not on <laughs> me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so recently, you've kind of started this. Uh, I suppose would you call it like a, a coaching business or? You've got a lot more into the side of doing seminars and yep. workshops. Yep. Um, where does that come from, or what, yep. what's the story behind that? Yeah, look, I, I've spent a lot of time learning mm. myself, and um, that, that's mostly through mistakes. And it's just mm. time for me to kind of be really outward in how I share that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of pursuing um, a, a coach education, uh, consultancy type type thing on a, on a, on a personal level. Um, and that's that's just really open. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where I'm going yeah. with that, but uh, here's here's my motivation. Um, my motivation is to help other people, uh, to help particularly other coaches or athletes that are really interested about being deliberate mm-hmm. in the development of speed, agility, power, strength, or coaching, uh, or working in a collaborative team. Those are areas that I just think are are under educated right now there's n- yeah. the resources out there are, are just a little light um so i'm just i'm just opening myself up to, to that to that kind of work mm-hmm. i just want to i want to um, i want to share some some thoughts some ideas to help other people consider those and, and take them on and make them better than, than i could make them um yeah so that, that's really what I, i'm trying to do yeah like i know um in the lecture even on the practical side we only really had 
we only maybe had the guts of an hour or two hours to go over the stuff, but um, I had taken some of the stuff into the rugby team that I'm working with and all really enjoyed it, but it was very, very simple, but stuff you didn't even think about before. Um, and you, you're doing now seminars you have, or, or workshops are in February? Absolutely. February, and it's in Black Box? In Black Box in Belfast, yeah. yeah. 20 um, 22nd, I think it is. 22nd of February. Like, I think... If you're if you're listening to this and you want to maybe know a bit more about the sp- specifics or learn how to do them drills really well, this is a good opportunity to do it at the workshops because y- it's very easy to watch these things, but actually doing them and integrating them and coaching them is a different thing yeah. altogether. Like yeah, well, like the 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 this workshop and uh, and all of my workshops is just open to anybody who wants to learn yeah. in this space or or practice a little bit more, just refine their skills and. Um, we we've talked about a little bit about how I how I learn that's through doing yeah uh, and really it's just an opportunity to get really hands dirty in practicing these movements coaching these movements and exploring how we make athletic movement even more yeah. efficient than, than they are right now so uh, you know really excited about doing those it, sh- it should be a lot of fun uh, enjoyable we could we could probably spend a week yeah. in some of these in some of these areas but what we'll do is we'll make it practically relevant mm-hmm. uh, we'll add the context to different sports and uh, and hopefully give people a lot of takeaways that they can make instant impact with the groups that they're working with yeah and um, if anybody wants to reach after this with any questions or maybe to find out more about the uh, workshop, where where do we find you? Yeah, um, you can find me any, uh, anywhere, usually <coughs> just hanging, ar- hanging around coffee shops, uh, most, Established. Most, mo- mostly in Belfast, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, re- I'm happy to get out and about. Yeah, just, just really, I've got a website uh, just, just set up, davidrakecoach.com. Uh, I'm on social media. I think I do Twitter and Instagram, uh, and I'm on davidrakecoach at <coughs> gmail.com. Um, yeah, just just contact me anytime uh, and talk to me about um, how I could potentially help, uh, or if there's anything you've tried and learned from and can share back to me. Uh, I'm 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 trying yeah. to learn as I go, and uh, no, really really open to that. So reach out anytime. Cool, um, brilliant. I think that's us.